As Mark said, uh, my name's Matt. Um, it's uh, great to see you all here. Um, just in case you, you were distracted by this bandage on my head and, and so that, uh, you know, uh, 400 people don't have to ask me afterwards. <laughs> I actually had a skin cancer cut out of my head. The funny thing was, well, it wasn't really funny uh, at the time, but uh, I, I had uh, the surgery last Saturday and I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal and so I was scheduled to preach at Moolap on Sunday morning. <laughs> and... Um, uh, it, because it, it was actually a melanoma in the end, so they had to get quite a uh, quite a big, big radius around it. And I was in so much pain, <laughs> I had to drug up on painkillers. Uh, so next time, uh, don't do that. Uh, anyway, so um, I am I am going to look that little bit more like a pirate, though, which is the uh, which is the the good news um, after that. Uh, with a big scar uh, on my forehead, big uh, three-inch scar on my forehead. So anyway, um, it's great to be back, by the way. Many of you know that I have been away in Kenya. We have a, a sister church in Kenya in an area of Nairobi called Kawangwari. And uh, that, that, the, that relationship actually has been an important relationship for us as a church. And it all came together in, it was a real God thing, the way that it all came together. And it was great to go over there with a team uh, of people. They held a women's conference and some of our uh, women w were involved in that. Many of you will know Pam Baran. She spoke uh, at the conference and it was a wonderful time. Um, I, I went over not quite sure what to expect or, or, or the impact that would have uh, on me and it actually had a massive impact on me. I've come away from that um, uh, feeling like, speaking of surgery, feeling like God's done something deep within me. It's like when you have surgery and something's fixed inside of you but you feel a bit bruised by it <laughs> and, and you're yet to sort of feel the benefits of it. I honestly, I feel like it, it really undid me in some really important ways and just the, 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 the integrity and the sacrifice and the wisdom, man, the wisdom uh, that... that uh, that just poured out of um, Pastor Andrew or Bishop Andrew as he is now is just an amazing guy and actually formed a great friendship with him. I believe that that relationship is going to be uh, continue to be really, really important for us uh, as a church. God loves relationships and uh, I think that this relationship is going to be a very key one uh, moving forward. They are amazing singers. I, I heard some of the most amazing singing in this place. Like, it's, I thought I'm never going to sing again. I, honestly, I, it, was so, it was so good. Not to mention dancing. Man, when they get together and they worship, everyone dances. And, uh, you know, I really, I really felt very, um, well, uh, what's, what's the word? I, I felt very sort of British and German, actually, to be honest, you know, that mixture of that, uh, mixture of that sort of British reserve together with, with the German, I, you know, Germans are so bad at dancing that they actually slap themselves while they dance. Uh, that's how bad they are as sort of self-inflicted uh, punishment. So I'm not sure, I don't, that may not be true, but um, anyway, uh, it was it was wonderful uh, to see the uh, you know to see such joy uh, in that you know in that context and um, just just a wonderful uh, wonderful time uh, away. 
going to uh, going to read a scripture that's been very much on my heart lately and very much on my heart for us as a church. I think this is really important. I feel that what that God wants to do something in our midst that ultimately is going to look at making us fruitful as people. Uh, it's very uh, easy to be self-impressed uh, to use the metaphor of the vine that Jesus uses in John chapter 15, and I'm going to read this in, in, in a moment. It, it could be tempting for us to be perhaps impressed by uh, our size and our, you know, a bit like an ornamental vine. We've got a, a lovely big ornamental vine at our, at our house. Well, God doesn't want ornamental vines. He wants fruitful vines. <laughs> and he's looking for fruitfulness from us. I believe God is wanting to do something in our midst that is going to make us fruitful as people and fruitful as a church. And, and so this scripture, and there's some principles that come out of this, and I'm not going to say everything that there is to say about John chapter 15, but I want to bring out some key points uh, from this. So I'm going to read uh, from John chapter 15 and um, from verse 1. This is in the context of the Last Supper. John gives us a lot of a lot more detail about the things that Jesus said and did, in fact. Um, and this is what he says. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So that's the, the declaration of forgiveness over their lives that, uh, that, that Jesus brought to them. Verse four, remain in me and I also, as I also remain in you. I want you to notice here as I read this, how much that idea, remain in me, is used here in this section. Verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in, it's, the repetition here is interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus knows that we have this addiction to independence and autonomy as human beings, that we're going to inevitably try and run off and do things on our own. That's just, he just knows that that's gonna happen, that the greatest danger for very, even very well-meaning Christians is to run off and try and save the world without God. And that is gonna be a real danger because not only are we useless without God, but we are dangerous without God. And so it's very important, this point that he's making is that you must remain in me. You must remain in me. And the word remain there is a word that is something like dwell, like to dwell in a house, to live in, inside something. Live your life in me. Remain in me, dwell in me, he is saying. I am the vine, verse five, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is what God wants to see 
in our lives. He wants to see fruitfulness. As I said, he's not, he's not into the ornamental part. It doesn't matter how big and grand uh, the vine is, it's about it being fruitful. Fruitfulness is the most important thing. As he says here, I will even prune my vine at times so that it's more fruitful. Who knows the experience of being pruned? Okay, it's not a pleasant experience, but the goal here is not comfort or pleasantness. The goal is fruitfulness. That is God's priority and it should be our priority. And when he looks at our lives, he's looking for fruitfulness. Now at this point, a lot of people experience a sense of failure. And I wanna speak to this very directly right now. Because when we're confronted with the fact that Jesus, when he calls us to account, he's looking for fruitfulness. Is your life fruitful? And many of us in this room may carry a sense of failure with that. When I look at myself, I feel that I'm not as fruitful as God is calling me to be. Now let's not be deceived. God is not calling everyone to bear every kind of fruit. This is one of the wonderful things about this is that we're all different, right? And God is calling you to, I mean, there's certain kinds of fruitfulness that God wants from all of our lives. But in terms of what God has called us to do, we each have something that God is asking of us. It's not everything. There's something that God is asking for you. God, he's, he's not expecting an orange tree to bear lemons. He's not expecting a lemon tree to bear apples. He's asking you to do what he's put in you to do. I'm gonna say more about that in a moment. However, a lot of us carry this sense of, oh, I just feel like I've just completely failed. I feel, I feel, I feel so fruitless in this respect. I feel, I feel the lack and the weight of the absence of fruit. Now, this is a very, very important juncture. And I wanna make something very explicit here because that juncture, that sense of failure, that can actually be one of the most important places of breakthrough, that sense of failure. It can be a very, very important moment of truth but like all moments of truth, the most important moments of truth in our lives, it is in those very places that we, and I want, you to, I want you to get this, it's in those very places that we are most vulnerable to deception, paradoxically. The closer you are to the truth, it's like our spiritual enemy musters all of his forces, spiritual forces to come, and, and, because essentially deception is a twisted truth, or at least the most powerful forms of deception are twisted truths. Because it's the truth in the deception that makes it so compelling, otherwise it's not powerful. This is, this is why when people look you know, at things like Christian history and they see lots of, lots of bad things happening throughout Christian history and they say, well, then that invalidates Christianity must all be false. But no, it actually was abused and, and, uh, and distorted and became deceptive at points, not because it's not true, but because it is true. Because it has a deep intuitive claim upon the human soul and it therefore is the very thing, the most powerful tool when it's twisted when it's twisted to deceive people. 
And so that's not my topic today, but that's a really important point. And I underscore that because that moment of failure can be a really important breakthrough moment. That sense, I lack. That sense, I lack. That can be a breakthrough moment. However, the enemy wants to come in and say, well, therefore you're hopeless. Therefore, you're hopeless. If you lack, therefore, you are condemned. Therefore, God doesn't wanna have anything do, to do with you. And he will come and, and deceive you in those ways. And it is a deception. Because, and it's a deception because it's actually in the very place of your failure that you can actually meet Jesus and reconnect with God. That is the breakthrough space but the enemy wants to twist that. Or he will say, well, you just need to try harder. You just need to try, if you sense a, tr- a sense of failure, then you just, you, know, you just need to try harder and do more and do and do and do and you exhaust yourself trying to feel like you're fruitful. And so you run off and you do all these things to try and prove to yourself that you're a good Christian. Now, it's probably, it's the latter of those two that I've given that one a red hot go in my life. Like really, you know, uh, being, you know, being fairly disciplined and determined and, and quite achievement oriented. It's like, right, I'm gonna go out and, you know, save the world. And, and, you know, again and again, God has said to me, can you, can you stop running ahead of me here? And so, those are the two things that we get deceived by there. But this is what we need to realize. In that place of failure, if you look at your life and seen that you haven't borne fruit to the extent that you haven't, I want you to get this point. If you look at your life and you perceive that you haven't borne fruit, it is simply because you can't bear fruit. Because you can't bear fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And often God lets us experience that fruitlessness so that we realise and will come at last to a point of complete, well, hopelessness in ourselves. But as I said, that can become a juncture to spiritual breakthrough. If you haven't done it, it's because you can't. Now, here is where some amazing liberation lies right here. This is where our rest lies. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what does he mean by this? Because you might read that and think, well, we can do lots of things. I mean, there's lots of things, obviously, that we can do in life without God. People all over the world do lots of good things, even quite helpful things, uh, you know, and, and, they, and, and even seemingly quite good things. Uh, lots of people do lots of things without, good, good, uh, without God. So what does Jesus mean when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing? Well, he's talking about things of ultimate significance, You see, there are things that need to be moved. There are obstacles, there are problems and issues with this world that need to be moved. And they're not 
political problems. They're not economic problems. They're not even psychological problems. They are spiritual problems with this world, primarily. Spiritual problems. And there are things that need to be moved. Ultimately, at the core, the thing that God wants to do is that He wants to move a spiritual kingdom forward and win spiritual battles to move things spiritually. That's what He wants to do. And it doesn't matter how skilled you are or how much you achieve or how articulate or how much, you know, how knowledgeable you are, all of those skills and abilities will not move these spiritual realities. It'd be like trying to hit a ghost with a sword. You're just not gonna strike. You're not gonna have any impact because these are spiritual realities. And yet, God is committed to using us to move those spiritual realities. And the reason is because God committed himself in the beginning to empowering us as human beings. He put us in charge in the world. He put us in charge. God is an empowering God. He called us to be his children. And so he empowers us and he puts us in charge in the world, which means it's our prerogative. So here's an important point. On the one hand, it is fully our prerogative to make the change. It's our responsibility. If anything's gonna change, then God is calling us. He's gonna do it through us because it's our responsibility. So it's our prerogative alone to change things, but it's only by God's power alone that we can change things. And what this means is that any action, any kind of presence that is going to really change and shift things in our various contexts has to be, well, very much like the presence of Jesus. Jesus was fully divine and fully human. Not part God, part man. Jesus wasn't part God, part man. He was fully God, as the great creeds of the Christian faith say again and again. He was fully God and fully man. So it must be with every single action that is going to have spiritual significance. It must be fully human because it's our responsibility, fully but it must also be fully divine because only God can. Jesus says in uh, John chapter five and from verse 19, he says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. God is looking to move things and bring all people in unity with himself. And so every action that is gonna have significance has to be an action that is at, in the one instant, fully God and fully man. And Jesus models this. He says the son only does what he sees the father doing. It's not about quantity and how much you do. It's about synchronizing 
with what God wants to do. It's about creating a sensitivity to what God is doing, about having eyes and ears to recognise what God wants to do and to do that and no more and no less. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We are the branches, extensions of God in each situation, fully human, but we are extensions of a vine in every circumstance. Now, this for me, I'll explain to you why this is just so empowering. Why this, is, why this gives me a sense of rest. I mean, if, if we have Christians rushing about trying to do lots of good works, exhausting themselves trying to be, you know, trying to live up to, people are gonna look at us and say, the last thing I would ever wanna be is a Christian because those guys just constantly look completely exhausted. As if I would wanna live like that. No, Jesus says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's calling us to an easy yoke. Living without God is the hard part. That's the hard part, is living without God. I mean, it can be hard walking with Jesus because it's a, it's a tough world and because he prunes us. It can be hard walking with God, but it's much harder to live without God. See, this is an easy yoke because when you realise you can't do it, that's when we turn to God. That's when we realise that our lives need to be the outgrowth of what God is doing. You know, God doesn't blame you. This is going to sound a bit wrong at first, but make sure you hear the second part of this. God does not blame you. This is what I get from John 15. He doesn't blame you for not bearing fruit because we can't bear fruit we actually can't he says you, he makes this very clear you can't bear fruit God doesn't blame us for not bearing fruit what he blames us for is not remaining in him it's our independence that grieves God the fruit is just the result the lack of fruit is just the result of that. What God is concerned about is us rushing off and trying to do things on our own. God is saying, I want you to be united with me in every circumstance. In fact, uh, it says this in um, John, where does it say it? John chapter... Uh, In Philippians, sorry, uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. You've been saved to something, you've saved into a life of purpose, In, you've been saved out of a life of independence, going it alone, and you've been saved, in. so work that out. And this is what he says. Verse 13, I've always loved this verse. Memorize it. For it is God who works in you to will and to act. 
in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's already prepared tomorrow what he wants you to do and who he wants you to be. He's already prepared that. I mean, it's like, what's left to do here? We, we're, you know, this is all rigged. He's already prepared tomorrow what he wants you to do. It's a pathway that already lies open. The opportunities are already there. And he also works in you by his spirit if we will cooperate, if we will be willing to surrender and move with the flow of God. He also works in you by his spirit to will and to act according to his purpose. Now this gives me such a sense of rest because all I know, I know all I need to do is I just need to step into the thing that God has prepared. I need to be present and willing in that situation to be used by God in whatever way he wants. One of the things that happens to us is, and this is what really stifles our fruitfulness, is the fear that we experience when we know that we should be, you know, the messengers of God. We know we should be the witnesses to Jesus and, and we just freeze up because we're just terrified. <laughs> we're terrified. We go into our various contexts and we're just overwhelmed. Oh, I've got all, all, this, all this, all this, you know, all of these, I've got all of these things that I have to do and we feel terrified so we do nothing because that's just, t- fear cripples you. So you do nothing And then afterwards, you feel crippled with condemnation. Man, that's clever. I mean, that's a clever scheme of the enemy right there. Cripple you with fear. Oh, I've got to do all of this stuff and I'm just just so daunted by it. No, no, God's saying, no, 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 I don't want you to do all this stuff. I don't want you, and you even can't. You actually can't, right? So don't go in there and try to thinking, I've got to do all of this stuff. No, God says, I'm already in tomorrow. I'm already preparing it. And all you've got to do is move in sync with me. And it'll it'll always just be those little things, those little steps. The kingdom of God is like a little seed that becomes a great tree and it's small increments. And the enemy says, no, you've got to do some big thing to prove yourself that you're a real, no, no. Push that voice aside and hear God say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm already there. I'm already in tomorrow. And I'm calling you to step in with a willingness to be available, to see what I'm doing. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. Jesus says to us again and again. Now that's the way that I want to live. 
That's the way that I want to live. That is the life of rest that he's calling us to. And if we live that way, as Jesus says, if you remain in me, you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. But if you don't, you know, you'll be like a branch, you know, when, when big cyclones uh, or, or, or tornadoes happen and they, you know, bro, uh, blow branches off trees and pieces of tin off roofs. When things get dislodged, they flutter around in the wind and they hurt people. And that's, that's what happens when we dislodge ourselves from our connection with God We're meant to be the outflow. Your purpose is to be the outflow of God's love and goodness to everyone around you. But when we dislodge, then when the winds of temptation come and blow through the winds of ambition, the winds of whatever the winds are, we just get blown around like pieces of tin, branches fluttering in the wind and smacking against people. You're not just useless without God, you're dangerous without God. So I very much encourage you today to do what Jesus says and simply remain in me. That looks as simple as getting up tomorrow morning and saying, Lord, today I am yours. Lord, teach me. It means getting up in the morning and saying, Lord, open my eyes today to see what you're doing. Open my ears. Simple prayers like that. And then being aware, being aware. God is calling for a new harvest from us, for all of us who have felt fruitless. God is going to bring a harvest, a harvest. He is going to do the impossible. And that means shifting spiritual atmospheres, spiritual things, shifting significant spiritual things in workplaces, schools, social situations, friendships, in church, in situations of brokenness, shifting spiritual things through me and through you. That's what I call impossible. You just need to be willing and available. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. Let's stand together and commit ourselves to this today. Father in heaven, Lord, for every person here that feels a sense of fruitlessness. I just want to particularly pray for you today if, if you really have felt pretty hopeless and pretty fruitless as a Christian lately. And if that's you, I just want you to, I just want you to acknowledge that in yourself. Yes, that's me. I, I really have felt that. And it's really bothering me and I felt, I felt very condemned by that. Yeah, I, I, I have felt very crippled by fear 
and, and I don't even wanna pray about it because I'm even fearful that God might ask me to do something that's out of my comfort zone, but He's so gentle, you see. You've been deceived, He's so gentle. And if that's you today, I just want you to lift up your hands so I can pray for you today. If that's you, if you've carried that sense of failure and condemnation, I just want you to lift up your hand. Thank you. You can put it down once you've lifted up your hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Well, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Father, we should have trusted you more. Lord, we have been blown around by the winds of temptation and doubt and deception. But Lord, we thank You that You never give up on us, ever. And right now, Lord, You're putting Your hand upon each one who is responding to You tonight. And You're saying, you see, you see, you can't do it, you can't. Isn't it true? You actually can't do it. Good, I'm glad we've learnt that lesson. Now, let's do this together, shall we? And you're gonna have joy in the things of God. You're gonna start to have joy in the things of God. Because He's gonna bring those little buds forth from your life. And it's gonna be joy. Father, today, I pray for Your church here. I pray for One Hope Church, Lord God, that You would make us, Lord, together a fruitful, fruitful vine, Lord God. That You would flow through us powerfully, Lord God. That You would do things that are impossible otherwise. And bring, born, bring forth fruit that you might be glorified, Lord God, in our midst. We seek your face, Lord. We can do nothing without you. And so as Moses prayed, Lord, unless you go with us, do not send us up from this place. And so we wait upon you, Lord God, and we seek your face. And we put our trust and our hope completely in you. And when you move, we will move because we only wanna do what we see our Father doing. Praise God.